KCSB FM, Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Lisa Osborne. This is a show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, the county is looking into redrawing district boundaries and what could this mean for Isla Vista. We're going to speak with a community activist who has some insight into this, has been following the story. And then a little bit later, we're going to be remembering a beloved Isla Vista community member, Father John Stephen Hedges, passed away following a brief illness. He had been in uh, Isla Vista since 1968. It's when he first came to UC Santa Barbara and uh, he um, he was just beloved by so many here, and we're going to be hearing a replay of our conversation that I had with him from a few years ago. That's coming up a little bit later. First, a couple of things uh, kind of re related to Isla Vista and KCSB. Promising news on the COVID front. Our adjusted case rates in Santa Barbara County have fallen low enough so some sports activities can resume. Youth and also community leagues are able to uh, get back on the playing field. Don't know that spectators are going to be allowed at games just yet. I know that uh, the UCSB Gauchos won't be having any us fans in the stands for this season due to the pandemic, but it's good news that some of our sports enthusiasts are going to be able to get back at it and that our numbers are coming down in Santa Barbara County. So all good stuff. Just keep doing what you're doing with the safety precautions uh, so we can uh, continue to decline. San Luis Obispo County made it into the red tier uh, where we could be in the next couple of weeks if we keep up the good work. And did you know that KCSB does a COVID newsletter? Yes, we recap COVID news in Santa Barbara and on the Central Coast. It goes out, the newsletter goes out to our KCSB news and programming staff six days a week. UCSB undergrad students receive uh, three newsletters a week. And now we have a Saturday edition just for you, our community members. So if you're not already getting the KCSB COVID newsletter and you would like to um, get a recap, it's just like a kind of a capsulized, uh, version of everything that's going on in our area regarding COVID. You can receive that on Saturdays. Just go to kcsb.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see sign up for our newsletter. Put your email address in that box to receive the Saturday COVID newsletter. So wanted to uh, make that available to you because our, our news team is writing it, myself and our news directors, Ashley and Aubrey. And it's kind of a recap. Sometimes we'll put links from stories that uh, appear in the Newshawk or the Independent. And it's just really what you need to know. And you can consume it all in a very short time. The KCSB Saturday COVID newsletter. You can sign up for it at kcsb.org. Also wanted to take time to thank you for donating to our KCSB annual fund drive, which we were doing in the past week. Uh, it actually ended uh, last Wednesday and uh, we weren't able to have the live phone banking. We weren't able to go wall to wall for the full 10 day fund drive this year because of the pandemic, but we exceeded our goal. So thank you for that. We raised $16,000 and that money is going towards supporting our students' efforts here at the station and going into special projects and, and events that uh, KCSB and our student executive committee 
want to take on and bring to you. So thank you so much for your support of KCSB. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to donate and you want to, or you just want to get yourself some cool KCSB gear so you can represent us in the community, uh, check out the hats and caps and even uh, masks at kcsb.org. You can find some really cool stuff there. So Santa Barbara County district boundaries are in the process of being redrawn. It's gonna have to do with uh, census data, which isn't coming out till later this year, and an independent commission of citizens who are coming together to determine whether or not they wanna change the boundaries of each district in the county. Right now, Isla Vista is part of the third district and we are the largest geographic area part of the largest geographical district. Um, Isla Vista is in this third district along with the Santa Ynez Valley, two very distinctly different communities. Uh, and Supervisor Joan Hartman is our representative. Now, tonight I'm joined by Spencer Brandt. Hi everyone, I'm Spencer Brandt. Uh, I'm a community activist, Isla Vista long-term resident and uh, participant in the redistricting process here in Santa Barbara County. Thanks for coming on, Spencer. Can you explain some of the history? How did this independent redistricting commission come to be formed? So in 2018, the voters passed Measure G, um, Measure G, G for good governance. Um, it was a measure that created a citizens independent redistricting commission. This is much like what the voters passed um, 10 years ago to create a redistricting commission for uh, the California statewide offices. So uh, assembly, Senate and congressional. Um, and what it does is it takes away the power to draw districts from the incumbent legislators and lawmakers. And it gives it to an appointed group of citizens um, who have you know, certain factors that they're supposed to take into account uh, when drawing lines, um, such as keeping communities of interest together and really just promoting a more fair process to try and um, you know, negate uh, some of the effects of gerrymandering um, that you know, we hear about a lot, especially as a hot topic nationwide. So Isla Vista has long been this, the, considered a swing vote in a lot of important decisions countywide. And so I would imagine that Isla Vista is on, is on the, you know, the commission's mind when it comes to to, to reforming or redrawing the lines. Could you talk a little bit about some of the, the big um, historic um, decisions that Isla Vista has played a key part in in the county? Yeah, um, so Isla Vista, I mean, we're a very unique community, right? Um, you know, we've got around 17,000 of us that live in Isla Vista and another 10,000 that live in the surrounding areas near UCSB. Um, it's a very progressive area with very progressive values. Um, and uh, those two areas are also inextricably linked, I think, between campus and Isla Vista. And in the past, uh, we have seen uh, lawsuits and, and actions brought in um, by more conservative um, uh, business-oriented interests in our county, wanting to um, split up Isla Vista and UCSB into two districts to try and sort of crack uh, the voting block power of Isla Vista residents. And so that's um, one of the main reasons I became interested in the process because 
I'd certainly like to see um, communities of interest, whether it's Isla Vista or uh, throughout the county be kept together, because um, I think that's good governance, um, but also just because of that history and wanting to make sure that the commission was aware of that. Are you one of the members on this commission? Great question. No. So I'm just a member of the public. Um, okay, that's and, what I thought. Um, Okay. And I think it, that's a, a good thing to note because um, any member of the public can participate in this process. Um, there is public comment at uh, all the meetings that they do. They're Brown Act meetings, which means they're open into the public. And, you know, in normal times, they would be in a room that's open to the public. But now it's over Zoom, which I think has actually made a lot of government participation more accessible. Um, so I definitely encourage um, members of the public to um, check it out and get involved if it's something they're interested in. And in Melinda Burns' article, which you can read at kcsb.org, she said that members of the public are, are encouraged to submit their ideas for how the supervisorial districts could be redrawn. Yeah, that is, that is my understanding. And I don't think that they're at that process yet, but that that's something that they hope to do in the future and give residents uh, the ability to draw their own maps um, by making mapping tools um, that you use on the computer, like publicly available. So in reading Melinda Burns' story on the redistricting commission, it seems like it's gotten really politicized already to the point where at least one commission member has stepped down. Yeah, it has. And I think that that's unfortunate um, that it got out to that start. Um, I think um, one of the things that happened in December is that the local Republican Party and the uh, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce teamed up to, uh, with a law firm to draft a letter that basically threatened to sue the commission, said, uh, if you don't appoint more Republicans to the commission, um, then we are going to sue you. And um, I think that that was unfortunate. And, and it sounds like from reading Melinda's reporting that 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 um, also sort of escalated to almost a targeted campaign uh, against one of these commissioners um, who was getting Public Record Act requests uh, for text messages. And um, I think it's unfortunate. It's, it seems like it has a, a chilling effect on um, you know, members of the public, um, good citizens who want to make a difference in their community um, because there is this, this threat of lawsuits that's going around. Um, and, that's certainly not why I'm involved. I think a lot of people are involved because they want to see the commission succeed and fulfill its mandate to draw lines that are fair and uh, that are done without the influence of uh, the incumbent lawmakers. Another connection with Isla Vista is that there is the one side was upset about a law firm that was selected because they represented a former um, third district supervisor, Doreen Farr, and that's going to be decided next week at the taken up next week at the at the um, supervisors meeting. Do you have any opinion on wh where that might go or what? I would just say um, that I think when I watched uh, the commission interview their different proposals for legal counsel, they had a number of good proposals. Um, but the one that I was most concerned about was um, a law firm that was proposing a um, one of their assigned personnel was the treasurer of a political committee that had donated to to the supervisors. And uh, I think the commission uh, ended up I guess, agreeing with that sentiment or 
maybe they just found that the other firm was better just based on merits. But um, ultimately, having looked at the accusations that are being made, I think it's just another um, example of the way that the Republican Party, unfortunately, doesn't really want to see this process succeed. And they want to try to find ways to threaten the commission into doing what they want, which I think is unfortunate. So there's this meeting tonight at six o'clock. Do you know what the the plan is for this? Are you going to be there? I will be watching. I believe that they are going through um, some different types of trainings. So I don't know if they're making any important decisions or anything, but it is a great opportunity for members of the public that haven't seen the commission in action and are interested in issues of redistricting, voting rights, communities of interest, and keeping them together in our county to check it out. And they can do that by going to the County of Santa Barbara's website. Countyofsb.org slash redistricting.sbc to see the documents that are posted there. So that's at six o'clock tonight coming up a little later, just uh, minutes from now, actually. Uh, Thank you so much, Spencer Brandt, for filling us in on this topic. And Melinda Burns is going to be continuing uh, to cover. I think we're going to be talking to her sometime soon as well. She wrote the story that you can read about this redistricting process at kcsb.org. Spencer Brandt, thanks for sharing information on this for us tonight on Inside Isla Vista. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about Father John Stephen Hedges, a beloved longtime Isla Vista community member and uh, activist and supporter. Um, He was a founding director of the Community Services District with you. How are you remembering Father John? I had the privilege of serving with Father John, who really was a force to be reckoned with in our community for justice. His care and compassion for members of our community experiencing homelessness, his going to different parts of our country to help those in need who had been affected by natural disasters, um, including Hurricane Katrina, um, the aftermath of uh, the fires uh, that we've seen, um, such as the one in Paradise, California, and um, the eleven or the one nine debriefo here in Santa Barbara, um, he lived his life with such compassion, such care, um, and really, I think, didn't waste a second on this earth. And I'm so grateful to have known him, um, and. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and praying for his family, you know, during this tough time. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we're so sorry for your loss. Father John Stephen Hedges had been here since 1968 when he came to town to attend UC Santa Barbara. And he was a, became a very important part of this community. As Spencer said, he was the person to comfort others in times of tragedy, not only here in Isla Vista, but uh, also across the nation. I spoke with Father John a couple years ago at his office at the Pescadero Lofts in Isla Vista. This was around the anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks and just days after 34 people had died in the Conception dive boat tragedy off the Channel Islands coast. We have had uh, in, in our community so many uh, strikes upon us, so many hits, so many traumas. Um, and it, it becomes almost dizzying after a while. Um, it's as if you're kicked in the stomach. And um, 
just without even enumerating them all, the whole community has this sense that um, we have been traumatized. Um, whether you were one who was there, whether you were one who lost someone, um, or whether you were one who served uh, in the aftermath of it, um, uh, anytime there is a, a mass casualty or a mass fatality incident, whether it's a disaster, a fire, uh, shooting, um, or those kinds of things that we've had in Isla Vista from time to time, um, it, uh, uh, it impacts each of us as individuals in one way or another, but there's also a community dimension to it. And somehow or another, it is in that community dimension that we really find the possibility, the chance of, of um, I, I, I won't use the word closure, because I don't think that's really something to hope for, but to find some way to um, wrap ourselves around it and uh, move on and um, continue to function. Um, uh, Someone came up to me in the aftermath of the uh, Isla Vista incident, um, at 23 May 2014. Um, I was interviewed on an NPR interview, and they, they asked me whether this brought up memories of the 2001 Isla Vista incident. And I blurted out without even thinking, I don't have to have them brought up, they're with me all the time. and. So the question becomes, those things that are with us in this life, that have hit us, what do we do with them? Um, do, do we have to be crippled by them? Uh, do we have to be, uh, 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 to not be able to deal with them? Or do we find ourselves, find some way that collectively, and, and I, I believe it begins collectively more than individually, so that collectively we can start to heal. And that, that, I think, is what happened at the vigil on Friday night. The vigil for the victims in Chase Palm Park, a yeah. big turnout. You were there. And so you've, so the ceremony, the vigil, some, somehow try to provide some comfort to the, the yeah, victims' families. Yeah. Well, the, 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 there's a measure of comfort that's there for, for everyone who is affected. Um, you know, there are those who you might say are directly affected because they lost somebody that was a loved one, and there are those in the community, all of us really, that are affected because we look at the faces, we see the names, we, uh, uh, whether we knew them or not, these are our neighbors. And the community has uh, been through a lot in the in recent years, debris flow and the fires. And I thought one of the first things I thought of with the um, conception, besides the victims, were were the first responders. So it's like here we go again, being yeah. called back into action. You counsel a lot of first responders, and and what are you f sensing in the in our first responder community right now? I. To say I counsel them is um, a kind of almost, in a sense, above my pay grade. But I will say that I have been comforted by them myself when I have returned here. Um, when I came back from uh, the death of the 19 Granite Mountain hotshots, it was firemen who comforted me. It... Um, uh, 
you know, God loved the psychologists and the clergy and the psychiatrists and all the other professionals that deal with these kinds of things. But it's the one who has, um, in a sense, been wounded themselves that really knows how to heal. And um, Is that through a heart opening that you really feel? I mean, the piercing of your heart? Or, or yeah. what do you think? Well, it's, it's that, that whole, you know, I'm not the first one to use the phrase wounded healer, but that's, a, you know, it's often been used. That, but, but there is a sense in which... Um, uh, we comfort, and this is out of the Bible, we comfort with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted. Mm. And um, and otherwise, it's just kind of blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I could talk about, um, uh, you know, the neuro neurobiology of trauma, trauma theory, and all these other things um, in the abstract, but um, I, I, I believe that it's it's when we have felt that ourselves when we have been hit by it that we begin to make some sense of it we've had a lot of practice at it in recent oh. years as well right oh, so it seems like yeah. all these big things that happen seem to have some kind of santa barbara connection yeah 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 that's um well and and i've tried to wrap myself around my own personal journey with um, the incidents that i've been involved in and if i put it on a map with with push pins, um, it's amazing how many of them happened in my own yard, mm. in my own neighborhood. And, um, and that's not, and th- th- there are so many incidents all over the place, but yet a, a real cluster of them in my own neighborhood. So did that change students for the next four years uh, following the events of May 2014? Well, um, uh, I have had a lot of students that still come and talk about it, um, and uh, uh, and law enforcement also, and 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 responders too, the the EMTs, and um, you you know you think about an EMT coming onto a scene like that. Um, it, in in my own home, I I heard the shots, uh, and. Um, and then I got paged. I heard the shots first, mm. and then I got paged to come down to foot patrol. And um, um, so, and, and I'm, I'm kind of used to responding to those things, but you, everyone is just so overwhelming and different. Um, and this one was just heartbreaking. Uh, um, you know, here in Isla Vista to see that on, on streets that we walk to go down to to get a, a blender, to yeah. the streets we walk down to go down and go to the beach. Um, uh, so somehow or another, the whole community has to be restored back to us. The very environment itself has been damaged, and we are ill at ease and need to be comforted not just emotionally, but almost ecologically. And um, I, I'm still working on how we do that. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of levels because you've got yeah. the technology level yeah. and yeah. Um, the a lot of students are stressed. We see um, how many are actually very anxious. There was some, some medical study out. The anxiety, the peer pressure. I can't even imagine being a student today yeah. uh, where you have to deal with the whole social media layer of just growing up and making your mistakes. 
Well, and you have so many voices telling you how you ought to feel. And that's, that, I think, is the thing that does us the greatest disservice. So many voices telling us how we ought to feel, judging us for how we feel, rather than standing with us and crying with us. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, just be, getting to a place where you can just be and not feel like you need yeah. to be anywhere else than you are right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father John, thanks for talking to us today. What else do, should we wrap up with here before we have to go? Well, this is, uh, you hear a lot of people today saying, never forget. Well, all of these things that in many ways we want to forget will make us stronger if we wrap ourselves around them and find a way to be compassionate in the middle of them. Just just being like... Yeah, just just, uh, being... um, uh, reach, reaching out uh, to the sufferer that's next to you. We, we jump too quickly to say we are Santa Barbara strong, we are UCSB strong, and, and around the, the fringes of the crowd there are folks that really aren't strong just yet. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so you don't come up to somebody and say, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, we're strong. <laughs> You come up to somebody and you, you stand beside them and if they're crying, maybe you cry with them and don't try and figure it out. And that, I'm telling you, uh, that goes a long way for human relationships. That goes a long way for community building. That goes a long way for uh, making peace. And also to not forget about the the disasters that happened a few years ago. Not everyone is over them. My, one of my no. dear friends lost her home in the fire. And, yeah. you know, well, how, do we, how do we help our friends like that? They might seem yeah. okay or they might still have their ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. It, I guess just being there? Yeah, uh, being um, mindful of the fact that um, uh, everyone is impacted in a different way. Everyone got wounded in a different way. Um, you don't, and, and, and I'll tell you one, <laughs> if I could say one action item, don't ever tell anybody, you know, I know exactly how you feel. Mm. Because, you know, you don't know exactly how I feel. <laughs> you don't know how ex- exactly how anybody, you, you may have had almost the same thing happen to you, but everybody is wounded in a different, every wound is a different one. And so, so therefore, if you come alongside that person and be present with them, listen to them, and um, if they ask for some input, maybe give it to them, but um, a, a, above all, wait for them. Wait for them. Thanks. Let's end on an up note. What has been some of the, your most rewarding experiences as being a, a director on the Isla Vista's Community Services District, the local government? Well, the fact that the community's got a voice, I mean, it's pretty amazing. You, you know, w- w- we used to come to uh, uh, areas where we were frustrated about something that was going on in the county, and we didn't have any way to, to be at the table. Well, now we, ha- we not only have a way to be at the table, we've got a way to speak. And we have certain areas that we can really change, and we are going to. We are, and we will even more. Um, the fact that there's a community center that's rising up there is um, a pretty amazing thing. The community has for a long time 
been like a wheel without a hub. Well, now it's got a hub. This is Inside Isla Vista. You've been listening to my conversation from a couple of years ago with the late Father John Stephen Hedges. Father John was a, a huge part of the Isla Vista community for many decades. He was a supporter of the houseless community. He was speaking uh, in support of the Tiny Homes Project, which is uh, currently in Isla Vista, the pallet homes where transitional housing that's taking place right now. He was speaking at a county supervisors meeting on this topic not that long ago, right around the end of last year. And so it was a surprise to hear of Father John's passing after a brief illness. He was 73 years old and and he will forever be in the hearts of Isla Vistans, the so many lives that he had come to touch during his time here. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at five to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. Again, if you want to sign up for our Saturday COVID newsletter, you can go to kcsb.org, scroll down and put your email address in the box that says sign up for our newsletter. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM, KCSB. Make it a great day.